to Season 1, Episode 9 of Vixen, a Black Beauty and Pop Culture Podcast. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is on Tracy Bingham, Baywatch star, and former playmate. Now, let's start the show. before we start the show guys i just want to say this is the ninth episode of vixen which means that we've been going strong for nine weeks thank you guys so much for all the support i really did not expect um the podcast to gain much traction because i knew working full-time and being in school full-time i didn't really have the time to promote it how i wanted to um but next season i'm hoping that i will have a lot more time to do so so i really wasn't expecting the response because i knew i wasn't putting in a lot of work with promotion um but to see you guys just organically listen and support has been really really special to me so i'm really gonna ramp it up next season i'm so excited for you guys to hear what i have in store for next season um so basically next week is gonna be the season finale episode i'm really excited about that episode y'all so make sure you tune in if you have any questions that you want me to answer on air i just put a poll out um yesterday so by the time you guys hear this episode it's going to be gone but go feel free to dm me on instagram if you have any questions you want me to read on air in the finale episode you can reach me at the vixen memoirs on instagram feel free to just send me a dm um so yeah i'm really excited about the format of that episode it's going to be really fun so make sure you guys tune in next week as well and then we will be um gone for a few weeks following the 10th episode um i have a lot of books to read for season two for some of the subjects that i'm doing for you all and i want to make sure that i give you guys those like longer episodes like the buffy episode the nicole episode the melissa episode i want to make sure i'm giving you guys those kinds of stories so i have a lot of reading to do um so i'm just taking a few weeks off so that i can focus on reading and writing these episodes so yeah i'm really really excited thank you guys so much for the support make sure you tune in next week for the finale and let's talk about miss tracy bingham tracy bingham was born julie ann smith on january 13th 1968 in cambridge massachusetts to betty a librarian and lafayette an aircraft technician some people say she was born in 1968 and then other people say 1971 I wasn't sure about that, y'all, so y'all decide when y'all think she was born. You know, it's an industry thing to take a couple years off your age, so probably 1968, but I'm not sure. She was the youngest of seven, three girls, and four boys. As a child, Tracy did a lot of musical theater, and she knew she wanted to be an actress from a very young age. After graduating from Cambridge Ringe in Latin High School, Tracy went on to Harvard Extension School to study psychology. Okay, guys, so I... This is apparently not Harvard, Harvard. (laughs) This is like another school. Um, Harvard Extension School is apparently something completely different from Harvard. Because when I read that for the first time, I was like, oh my God, Tracy Bingham went to Harvard. But apparently it's a whole different school. But anyway, she went to Harvard Extension School. While in school, Tracy did plays like West Side Story, Guys and Dolls, Grease, Annie, and then she started booking small commercial gigs and doing some small modeling as well. After she met director John Landis, she got a part in a movie called Celtic Pride. 
Um, and in order to film that, she left school at Harvard Extension and moved to L.A. Tracy arrived in L.A. during the heat of the L.A. riots and during the O.J. Simpson trial. So that must have been a really crazy time to move to L.A. Um, and because of that, she kind of refused to go out a lot. She was afraid, but then she got over it and she fell in love with L.A. Like she was just blown away by the city and the culture and she just loved it there. So once Tracy arrived in LA, it was pretty easy for her to get booked because she went to auditions all day every day. So she started off in LA doing small acting roles and starring in music videos. Most notably in 1991, she appeared in the video for Good Vibrations by Marky Mark. After living in LA for about two years, Tracy got a phone call from a friend saying there's this show about people who run up and down the beach, right? And it's the biggest show in the world right now. So Tracy's like, that's ridiculous, that sounds stupid, but I'll watch an episode anyway. So this show was obviously Baywatch, um, and she watched it, and she thought it was a little bit cheesy, but then she realized that it represented all the things about California that people see all over TV. So when we see California on television, we're usually seeing like beaches, water, beautiful people, all of those things. So Baywatch kind of encompasses all of those things. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. I don't think I've ever watched a full episode of it, but I have watched like bits and pieces and clips from it. Now, <laughs> it's fun. It's actually really funny because the scenarios are very over the top. Um, nobody's acting is really that good. I think they were told to act that way. Um, no shade. I'm not saying they're not good. I think that like that was the joke of the show. But yeah, everybody's really over the top. The scenarios they go through are like so silly. But, I mean, it does kind of represent the California that you see all over TV, especially in the early 90s, late 80s, you know, beaches, water, all of that stuff. So, I mean, watching it now, it's kind of hard to believe that it was so popular, but I think people just really wanted to see California. So at that time, it was actually the most watched show on television. It had really high viewership. So the call sheet, I believe that's what it's called. Isn't it a call sheet when you go to an audition or before you go to an audition and it's giving you like a description of the role and what they're looking for. I think it's called a call sheet, but anyway. So the quote unquote call sheet called for African-American women or women of color. And they wanted them to come down and teach just like plain t-shirt jeans in a very demure manner, like not a lot of makeup. So Tracy decides that she's going to do something completely different because she wants to stand out. Tracy really, really loved Pamela Anderson's look and decided to kind of mimic her. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, so Tracy comes into the audition. She has big hair. Her cleavage is out. She's wearing a mini skirt and high heels. Um, she definitely turned people's heads and she ended up getting the call back. So it was narrowed down to her and four women for the role of Jordan Tate. And um, they took swim tests. They uh, tried on the Baywatch bathing suits. You guys know. The Baywatch suit is basically, you know, the red one-piece, very, very skimpy uh, bathing suit. Three weeks later, Tracy gets another call back and finds out that she got the role. Tracy says that being a part of Baywatch was a lot of fun, but the rules were very strict. Um, it was in the contract for all actors who appeared on Baywatch to stay thin, and if you were either going to lose weight or gain weight, you had to have a discussion with the producer. So there was a lot of pressure for them to stay in shape. Um, there was allegedly a five pound fluctuation limit. I've heard that from a lot of different um, interviews with actors where they say, you know, you have to stay within five to 10 uh, pounds of whatever you came in as. Um, in 2013, in an interview, Tracy said, if you did anything to gain or lose weight, you were in trouble. 
Tracy and the rest of the Baywatch girls, which included Donna D'Erico, Marlise Andrada, Pamela Anderson, and Carmen Electra, of course, um, Yasmin Bleeth, Gina Lee Nolan, and Erica Aleniak, uh, they posed for the 1998 issue of Playboy that was called Babes of Baywatch. Tracy was the big centerfold for this issue. I think she had, she had like the big centerfold and then the rest of the girls were kind of like supporting actors in, you know, her issue. I'm not sure how that came about. I tried to look it up, but she probably was the only one or one of the only ones who decided to go nude or who agreed to go nude or maybe just, you know, they decided she was the breakout star. I mean, Carmen Electra and Pamela Anderson, I think, had already kind of been around. So maybe that's why they chose um, Tracy, but I'm not sure. But ironically, even though she was the big centerfold of this issue, just as it hit the stands, the Baywatch producers decide to let her go. Um, and I believe her character was written off the show. So it's kind of, you know, unfortunate. You know, you get this really, really big, you know, spread in Playboy, which is going to, you know, elevate your career because that's usually what Playboy spreads do for models. And then you get dropped from your show. After Baywatch, Tracy appeared in multiple TV series such as Beverly Hills 90210, The Fresh Prince, Married with Children, Jamie Foxx Show, and Girlfriends, which I'm binging on Netflix right now. She did a film called Demon Knight after this, and then she booked a supporting role in a show called The Dream Team with Roger Moore, who we talked about a little bit two episodes ago in the Black Bond Girls episode. He was the Bond in the movie that Gloria Henry was in. So, yeah, um, the Dream Team show, the concept seemed kind of cool. It was a little bit similar to Charlie's Angels. I've never seen it, but I looked it up. But it looks like it got canceled after one season, unfortunately. In 2002, Tracy became a spokesperson for PETA. And she had this really big ad where she posed in a bikini made out of lettuce. And the caption was, all animals have the same parts. Have a heart. Go vegetarian. It's funny because that ad was launched outside of Rules, which is the oldest meat restaurant in London. Um, and when Tracy asked what her reason for agreeing to do the ad for PETA, she said she wanted to bring awareness to the benefits of a vegetarian diet. And Tracy is still vegetarian today. I think she actually might be vegan now. In 2001, Rob and Tracy divorced. Shortly after, in 2003, Tracy became engaged to John Yarborough, an investment banker, but they never walked down the aisle. She then married John Timonis, who I believe works in film production, and then they divorced after five years. So one thing that all three of these men have in common is that they are white. <laughs> Tracy is well known for her preference for interracial dating. In an interview with Howard Stern, she famously admitted that she prefers white men over black men. Um, and I think it might have been a little bit of a controversy behind that, mainly because she was appearing in so many black sitcoms and shows. But I mean, hey, um, in Preferences and the Romantic Career by Chinyere Osuji, the science behind interracial dating and preference is analyzed. Here's a quote from that. Similar to breaking other social norms, crossing racial lines in marriage does not usually occur in one full swoop. Prior interracial dating often leads to interracial marriage. In addition, there are a number of predictors for interracial dating, including living in multiracial neighborhoods, attending schools with a large variety of racial and ethnic communities, and being a member of a small population within a school or geographic area. So basically what that's saying is dating outside of your race is typically not 
a thing where you date within your race all your life and then you end up marrying someone outside of the race. Now that happens. We definitely saw that last year on um, Love is Blind with Lauren and Cameron, who I love. Um, Lauren had never dated a white man before and then ended up falling in love and marrying one. But the quote is basically saying that is not typical of interracial dating. Typically, people who marry outside of their race have dated outside of their race before. And there's usually a bit of a pattern. Um, and that pattern has a lot to do with, you know, socioeconomic um, factors and basically just how that person grew up. I was actually just talking about something like this on Twitter because I see a lot that people will repost things from TikTok onto Twitter. Now, TikTok definitely has a problem with young black boys putting down black women. Like there's like a whole subculture of that on TikTok, which is terrible because a lot of young people use TikTok. So I can't imagine like young black girls seeing some of that shit on there. But anyway, this is a segue. But anyway, I brought that up because when I, I kept seeing people repost it, I'm like, first of all, why are y'all reposting that kind of hate so that other black women can see it? But anyway, I was just like, I would love to know, like, why is it that this subculture exists on TikTok? And I thought about it, and it's probably because from what I see when I scroll down TikTok, I'm old, I can't get into it, but I will watch it. Um, a lot of the people that you see on TikTok seem very suburban to me. Um, they don't seem to really live in urban areas. And a lot of the black boys on there, it's giving me like, one of the only black boys in school on the sports team vibes. You guys get what I'm trying to say? Like, it just seems like a lot of those kids on there live in suburban areas where they're probably the minority. And I think that is what leads to that kind of stuff. Like me growing up in DC, DC was extremely black. It's always been diverse, but it's always been like majority black for the most part. I don't know about right now. It's probably like half and half now. But when I was growing up, it was very black. So, like, you didn't really run into uh, black boys who had negative stuff to say about black girls. Like, there would be a few coons, but not anything like what I saw on TikTok. But anyway, basically what I'm saying is, like, your area really, really does kind of shape who you're um, interested in and your preference because whatever is the beauty standard around you, you're going to start to be conditioned to believe that too and prefer it as well. It's just natural. So um, Tracy probably was definitely a victim of this. She grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is just very white. Like, <laughs> I think Massachusetts is just very white in general, but Cambridge specifically, I looked it up, is nearly 70% white if we want to get approximate. That is, oh, I cannot imagine living somewhere 70% white. Like for the black population, it's like a little bit under 12%. It's really like 11% black. So that is a huge ratio. Um, so growing up in an environment like this has probably heavily fueled Tracy's preference for white men. Um, Tracy has six other siblings. Like they might, they might have experienced the same thing. I think it's just natural for people who grew up in environments like that to date outside of their race. After acting gigs died down a little bit for Tracy, she shifted into daytime television ads and reality TV. So in 2005, she became the spokesperson for Empire Poker, which was an online gambling site. And in order to promote Empire Poker, Tracy got sent to a bunch of different industry events. She was usually not invited, and she would wear these really low-cut tank tops that had the company logo on it. It was such a carry, but yeah, a lot of people used to do stuff like that back in the early 2000s, like 
that was a really big marketing tactic to just like show up to a red carpet or show up to an event like a walking ad. A lot of people did that. So I don't know how old you guys are who listen to the podcast. I'm going to assume y'all are like around my age. <laughs> but um, if you don't remember, basically reality TV was really in its heyday from 2006 to 2010. I think the only reality show that was on before that was Survivor. Maybe in maybe like American Idol or something. I'm not sure when that show came out. But yeah, so those were the only like reality TV shows. But then with The Surreal Life on VH1, all of these reality shows started to come out. So that was like the big boom. After Surreal Life, you know, we got Flavor of Love. We got I Love New York. I Love Money, um, Love and Hip Hop came shortly after that. So that was like the big boom of reality television as we know it today. Um, so in 2006, Tracy was on the UK version of Celebrity Big Brother. She made it to the top six and was kicked off in the finale. And what she's most known from this show for is that she got into a really big argument with Pete Burns. I have no idea who Pete Burns is. I watched the clip and I was like, who is that guy? But anyway, and then Dennis Rodman was on that too. And I think he kind of jumped in as well. You guys can watch it on YouTube. They kind of were, they were reading her for no reason. I was like, maybe I need to watch the whole show to get the context of this argument. But it seemed like they were mad that she was like, trying to get to know them she was talking about herself but like they were irritated with her for talking about herself like I don't know much about Big Brother because it's never interested me as a show but from what I understand I guess people are just stuck in a house together and they start to get very irritable and just annoyed with each other so I assumed I was like maybe it's just like the cabin fever kicking in but I didn't understand the argument but yes that was like a big moment on that show's season. So then the next year, Tracy appears in the Surreal Life Fame Games, and she won the $100,000 prize. Vern Troyer was on that show. Uh, Bridget Nielsen, who dated Flavor Flav before Flavor Love, when he was on the Surreal Life as well, she was on there. Um, that guy from New Kids on the Block was on there, the main guy. China Doll from WWE, Vanilla Ice, and a couple other people. So they were all in this house together on that season. And then what Tracy is known for on this show is arguing with Vanilla Ice and waking up next to Vern Troyer in bed. Um, in 2008, she was on the show Gimme My Reality Show. This show was on Fox. I've never seen this, but it basically was six celebrities compete to get their own reality show. Um, and when looking back on her time as a reality TV star, Tracy said it was a really fun experience and it was great to work with a lot of celebrities that she followed or grew up on. So she seems to have a really good um, personality for reality TV. Like watching her in interviews, I feel like she'd be reality TV gold. I'm surprised she didn't do more shows. Okay, y'all. So we're going to shift gears for a quick minute. I want to talk a little bit about bimbo culture. So I'm sure you guys all know Bimbo is a word that's used for an attractive but unintelligent woman, basically. Um, I researched it and it started to be used around the 1920s and it came from the word bambino, which means child in Italian. So you basically see, you know, they're trying to call them dumb, childlike, naive, that kind of thing. And then in the 1930s, it started to become associated with blonde hair. I'm not really sure how, but... Um, I know like when you think of bimbo, you probably think of, like a dumb blonde. So then it started to be associated with like a dumb blonde. Um, and then the word started to be used more frequently in the 1970s because there were a lot of scandals happening, a lot of sex scandals happening with 
prominent people and young blonde women who were at the center of them. So the word has started to become more common. So fast forward to now, I feel like people don't really use that word in conversation. I mean, bimbo, I, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard somebody use that word seriously. I feel like it could just be me not knowing anyone who says it, but I don't think it's that much of a burn anymore, right? Like, I feel like you got to come harder with a better insult these days. Um, I know it's also like a fetish category too. Like it's probably, I'm sure there's a lot of bimbo porn out there. I don't know. <laughs> the whole bimbo thing has become a little bit of an aesthetic on Instagram. I'm seeing a lot of black women participate in it as well. I'm sure you guys can already think of um, some people who kind of fit the bill on this. You know, big boobs, big lips, big hair, that kind of thing. Um, that's kind of what the bimbo look looks like. Um, so yeah, I'm noticing that it's becoming a bit of an Instagram aesthetic. So when I decided to do this episode on Tracy, I was like, oh my God, like she would be like the blueprint for the black bimbo look. Like this is probably what people are referencing when they are trying to look like a black bimbo. Um, the word bimbo, oh my God, just saying it, it sounds like I'm trying to insult them, but I'm not. <laughs> Tracy fits into this as far as looks and some of the roles that she played. I don't know if it was on purpose or if she got kind of typecasted into that, but this is very her. So she played into the stereotype with a lot of the acting roles that she took. And that might have been like a thing because she was on Baywatch. Um, and like we talked about earlier, Baywatch is kind of known for being cheesy. So she could have went out for more serious roles after Baywatch. But like, I, I mean, after appearing on a show like that, I can kind of see how one person can get typecasted because I don't think it's really the best display of somebody's acting chops. I actually just watched the episode of Girlfriends with her on it. I've been on a two-week binge. Um, so I actually just saw the episode with Tracy and she played a bimbo stripper, basically. So yeah, I think that that stereotype kind of got put on her and she might have played into it for roles as well. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it's just kind of funny um, to see her and be researching her and then, you know, kind of seeing that look circle back around on um, Instagram. I mean, the Y2K trend has been popping for the last like two or three years now. And then, you know, I think the bimbo thing is kind of coming in as well with like the exaggerated plastic surgery, exaggerated look. So it's just kind of funny to see everything come full circle. Um, and then another person who kind of comes to mind for me when I think about black bimbo culture is Nicole Narain. So if you haven't listened to episode three of Vixen, go ahead and listen to it. It's all about Nicole. Nicole and Tracy actually have a lot in common. They both pose for Playboy. Um, they both kind of look similar. People say that Nicole um, prefers white men too, but I couldn't find anything where she said that outright. Um, they both appeared in a lot of videos. So, and I mean, I, I, I don't think they look alike, but other people apparently think that they look alike because a writer, uh, for E actually thought that Nicole was Tracy in 2007 and published an article that Tracy was dating K-Fed. Kevin Federline, for you youngins who don't know, that's Britney Spears' ex-husband. Um, so they wrote this article like, oh my God, we saw Tracy Bingham all over K-Fed. Oh my God, disgusted to like they're going in or whatever. Um, and Tracy's like, what the, what the fuck? That's not me. Tracy's mom apparently even called E and was like, 
what are you talking about? Like, you saw my daughter with who? Like, and her mom's all pissed or whatever. And Tracy ends up calling them and is like, hey, I'm actually recovering from a leg injury. I was supposed to be at that party, but I couldn't make it. Like, I'm in Palm Springs. I wasn't there. So E published a public apology to Tracy for that. And they realized their mistake that it was actually Nicole Narain. Something funny I thought I would throw in this party that uh, K-Fed and Nicole were at was called the financially hung party. I think it was supposed to be something where they met, where women would meet like eligible bachelors. I just thought it was a funny name, financially hung. Have another party like that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I would only guess that Tracy Bingham and Nicole Narain would be very big inspirations for like this black bimbo look that I'm seeing on Instagram. So thought I would talk a little bit about that. So yeah, that is Tracy Bingham's story. I hope you guys liked this one because I've been curious about her for a while um, and wanted to know more about her story, especially as, you know, I'm seeing that aesthetic kind of rise on social media. It made me think about her and I said, you know, let's do a little episode on Tracy. Um, today, Tracy is an animal rights activist still and she still models and works on a couple projects. I believe she lives in Boston most of the time now. And she appears to be doing well. She's still giving interviews. She still kind of has like that aesthetic. Her hair is really big. Her boobs are huge. Her lips are big. She's giving, you know, a little Y2K look, as the kids would say. But yeah, so that is Tracy Bingham's story, y'all. All right, you all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Vixen. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to leave a review. And don't forget to tune in next week for the season finale of season one of Vixen. So next episode is going to be really fun. We will be back a few weeks after that episode goes live. The format's going to be a little different. So I want you guys to listen and give me your feedback. I'm really excited about it. Um, in the meantime, if you have any submissions for future episodes of Vixen, feel free to email vixenpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week with an all new episode.